Anthony, thank you once again for joining me. It is so good to be with you. I'm excited about the pilgrimage we're going to make together. One of the things that I think will be really interesting for those who will be gathering to travel with us is that in the weeks prior to our actual departure on discerninghearts.com, and in particular, pilgrimage.discerninghearts.com, we'll be having opportunities for people to learn more and about the places that we'll be going and encountering some of those who we'll be learning from. Yes, I think that will be a great resource to help people get ready for this wonderful, not only is it going to be a, a beautiful adventure in terms of the art and architecture that we'll get to see, but it's also going to be a deeply spiritual pilgrimage, a pilgrimage uh, oriented to version of heart and to, and to prayer. Pilgrimages sometimes can be present their own difficulties as far as having deep prayer because you're always changing places and you have to go on to the next thing. And so you, you sometimes don't get to have that experience of being settled. And at the same time, as you're moving along to these different places, there's kind of a grace that travels with you. And there are little moments of where God discloses his presence uh, as you think about the life of this saint or what happened in this church. And this is going to be especially true when we look at the, the life and the times of Teresa of Avila and rebirth of the Church of Spain in the 16th century. Particularly because it is indeed a pilgrimage. It is one that will be steeped in prayer and with the not only with your guidance, but also with a tremendous chaplain that we have on this pilgrimage, Father Giles Dimmick. He's a... D- Deeply prayerful man. You're, you are so right to mention him. He's a Dominican who taught at Franciscan University of Steubenville for, for many years and has helped many, many young people find their vocations and been present to a lot of professionals. He, for a long time, also worked in Washington, D.C., and there were uh, people working in all different levels of society, and they, they would come together, and Father Giles would provide these kind of spiritual teachings to them to help sustain them in their professional lives. So he's a great, he's a master teacher. It's going to be a blessing to have him. But most of all, he's a prayerful man. As a Dominican, every day the rosary will be part of our our life. As well, we will also have Mass and all the liturgies of Holy Week. We will be praying the chaplet together. And in addition to that, we're going to be visiting these beautiful cathedrals and churches where the Blessed Sacrament is. And part of our pilgrimage will be to make space and time for silence, for silent prayer in these very, very holy places. That emphasis on prayer and uh, contemplation, again, that's what the, the pilgrimage aspect of all of this is. On the second day of the pilgrimage, what are we hopeful to encounter, Anthony? Well, one of the the beautiful places we'll be going is Escorial. And that, of course, will be Palm Sunday. So after joining in one of the Palm Sunday liturgies in Madrid, we will get on our bus and we'll go out. It's about an hour away outside the city. It's where King Philip built his palace. The palace is kind of organized so that with all the courtyards and everything, at the very center of his palace is the uh, Blessed Sacrament on the high altar. 
seen this, that you'll be struck by the beautiful art of the time that he gathered together and the incredible craftsmanship of the buildings and so forth. It's just, it's astounding. But he was also a warrior. And so you notice, even though there's all this beauty and art, it's also kind of got a Spartan feel to it. He he lived kind of a penitential, ascetical life. And you get a sense of that as you go through his palace. But even more than all the art and every, uh, as we go through the church, we're going to notice a couple things. One of the things we're going to notice is there is beautiful, beautiful reliquaries. They're huge, taking up whole walls. And one of the contemporaries looking at these reliquaries said it's like you have the whole communion of the saints in front of you. You know, all the different saints uh, through the centuries of the church up until the 16th century are there in communion together in these gold reliquaries, and they just shine forth with the glory of God. That will be a beautiful thing. But these reliquaries are also directed to the Blessed Sacrament, which is kind of the heart of King Philip's kingdom, the Spanish kingdom, the Catholic kingdom he wanted to build. He, in pulling this all together, he even had it, has it, we'll see, his room was designed so that when he had his head on the pillow and was falling asleep, he could look down from his room into the great church where his palace is built around and see the high altar and see the the tabernacle on the high altar. And, And under that high altar that he's looking on, all his relatives who had gone before him had them brought there so that they would all be buried under the presence of the risen Lord at the heart of his kingdom. In other words, his kingdom was a kingdom of hope. Teresa of Avila, uh, she was part of King Philip's dream. When she started preaching the reform and preaching a renewal of the church attached to a renewal of mental prayer or contemplation, it resonated with him. This kind of prayer is about an ongoing encounter with the risen Lord that's transformative, that gives new life. And that's what he wanted in the heart of his kingdom. That's why the Eucharist was so important to him. The Eucharist being that sacrament that kind of allows us to have uh, the real presence of the Lord with us so that we can give thanks and be nourished for the journey of the Christian life. Teresa of Avila, in her reform, was bringing the, the nuns and benefactors who supported them in contact with this incredible power of Christ, the risen Christ walking uh, with his church, he saw what she was doing. And so he and his court kind of supported her in in various ways. And so it's one of the reasons why on the second day of our pilgrimage, we're going to go to the Siscorial and see the, the kind of the concretized or architecturally expressed dream of the king of Spain and why he himself believed that Teresa of Avila was so very important for his kingdom. I'm really looking forward to getting to know him better, too. I mean, when you think about what was going on in the world at that time, uh, just across the English Channel is the effects of King Henry VIII and Elizabeth I and the, the terrible scourging that the Catholic Church is undergoing in England. It's it's true, and other things that are going on in this time period, There's the, the Turks are have prepared a, a great armada to invade Rome with. Philip II is directing his attention to that. At the same time, he's concerned and is beginning to develop navy to try to combat England, whose influence at this time is beginning to make itself felt. And because of King Henry's divided loyalties, he feels like he, he needs to come against 
England. And so these battles politically are kind of going on on the exterior. And at the same time, you know, in 1492, America was discovered. And so this would be the time where he's sending armies out to subdue the Americas and bring the cross of Christ to the Americas by not only sending armies, but sending missionaries who work with the Indians, especially the uh, Indians who were oppressed by other other nations. He's Uh, sends missionaries to them so that they too can learn the gospel of Christ. So all this is going on in that 16th century. It's it's an explosion of activity. And Teresa of Avila and the Carmelite reform are kind of at the heart of it, the heart of everything that's good. There's a lot of bad things that happened, but there were a lot of good things that happened. And the good things that happened were, were because Teresa of Avila and the prayer and the discipline of life that she ordered her community towards it made space in the world for God's love to be revealed. And so it animated uh, Spain in, in its golden era. In our pilgrimage together, we're going to be looking into and exploring all of this and asking questions like, can we too order our lives so that the love of Christ animates us and so that the presence of God stands at the center of who we are, in the center of our families, in the center of our communities? This is just day two of our our. Uh, Palm Sunday of our pilgrimage, and just we just to let people know, we're going to keep the numbers small uh, on purpose. We want to have a a group that can just travel together on one of the the coaches, so that we're not busted up, and that we get a chance to have community too during this holy, holy, holy week. Yes, it uh, will. We'll really we'll just have one one bus, and so it's it's set up to be a, a smaller pilgrimage. I found that that works a little bit better as far as being able to get in and out of places and being able to have time to pray because everybody's able to be together. And you bring up a very important part. A pilgrimage, is it's not a tour or a vacation. It involves a lot of sacrifices. In fact, an important part of pilgrimage is, is actually, believe it or not, hardships, disappointments, things that don't happen the way you want them to happen. When when those kind of things happen during pilgrimage, it causes you to kind of takes you out of your comfort zone and uh, puts you in a place where you need to begin to pray. So those of you who are thinking about joining this pilgrimage, there's going to be a penitential quality to this where despite our best efforts, there will be things that don't work out quite the way we want them to. It, but in that, because of our love for one another, and are traveling together, and because of the life of sacraments that we'll be living and the daily prayer that we'll have together, there will uh, grow up a beautiful communion of love. And this kind of community that a pilgrimage brings about, it's very, very beautiful and very deep. We, We learn those holy friendships that help us become saints. So walking in the footsteps together of Teresa of Avila, um, walking in uh, this great saint's footsteps, we learn how to build each other up so that each of us can follow the Lord with greater zeal. Well, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I'm looking so forward to whatever it is the Lord has called for us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Five hundred years ago, on March 28th, a great mystic, founder, reformer, and doctor of the church was born, St. Teresa of Avila. From March 27 to April 6, 2015, you are invited to join me, Chris McGregor, of Discerning Hearts, 
on a spiritual journey through Holy Week and Easter in the footsteps of St. Teresa of Avila in Spain. Father Giles Demick will serve as our chaplain, and along with Dr. Anthony Lillis will serve as our spiritual guides. To learn how you can become a part of this wonderful pilgrimage experience, visit discerninghearts.com. Thank you.